0: Hi, I'm David, co founder of Prodigy, and welcome to the Happy Teams podcast, where we interview digital leaders about how they're winning in the race to attract and retain top digital talent. Today we're joined by Jenny from YoYo, a digital design agency. Listen to hear from Jenny about how they're managing to retain talent well above the industry averages and making their agency a great place to work. Hi, Jenny. <laughs> nice to have you today so what we were hoping to do as, as we normally do um is just to find out a bit more about about you and YoYo and what makes you uh what, what you're what you're doing to uh, to make your your agency a great place to work um but before we get into that could you just tell us a bit about yo-yo and your value proposition
1: yeah, of course. Um, so we've been going about, um, well, actually, I mean, the company was founded about 20 years ago, but in its current form, we've been going about 12 years. Um, and the business has always had creativity at the heart of, at the heart of it. Um, and digital has been our main sort of bread and butter. Um, we wanted to create an agency where we put people at the forefront. And so people and culture has always been, has always been there from, yeah, from the absolute sort of outset. Um, we've also always wanted to do things that have meaning in the world and have impact. And that doesn't always necessarily mean charity work, although we have done a lot of kind of not-for-profits and sort of impact work. But it also means just making a bit of a difference, doing things, doing things a bit differently and doing things that have, have a value, have, have something that means something. Um, And that helps us with our culture and the sort of people that we have in our team, which obviously we'll talk about a little bit more in a bit.
2: Um, So what we're exploring in this series is, you know, what are people like you, leaders in digital, are doing to make um, their organisation such a great place to work for your employees? So I know it's a very vast subject, and from our conversations before, I know you're doing a lot. (laughs) So if you could run us through some of these things that you're doing Um, in yo-yo design to make uh, your agency a great place to work?
1: Yeah, of course. I think sort of, you know, in kind of old school terms, especially in the agency world, then obviously you've got ping pong, you've got kind of like, you know, table tennis, football, kind of, you know, drinks, everything, Um, which of course we brought in to a certain extent. Um, But over the last kind of, I don't know, decade, Kind of year by year you realize how meaningless those things are if you don't have the fundamentals within the within a culture to sustain people's fulfillment and their enjoyment and having loads of beer isn't part of that really um and there are so many different sort of there are so many different factors to it i guess the first one is that people want to feel like they are doing something purposeful And people want to feel like they have a say in what it is that they're doing and a lot of people talk about this and sort of you know how to how to get people's voices heard how to bring people's voices into the decision into decision making and how to bring people's voices into board meetings etc and i think we've done a lot of work around how to elevate those so we've got things like um, monthly company meetings where we share lots of information but we get lots of the team involved in that as well and just talking about kind of their viewpoints across the agency Um, we also have something called town halls which every two weeks then it's a it's a complete free-for-all anyone can put up whatever they want to talk about on the board and we address it And so we've had, you know, spicy topics like four day working weeks and kind of, um, you know, kind of unlimited holiday, etc. But also process driven things, but also, you know, office and actually how do we make the office space a nicer place to be? So by allowing anybody across the agency, sort of no matter of seniority, to put their, you know, to, to put their ideas forward and we debate them, but we also help people to debate them and help them to understand kind of different people's perspectives and things like that, which also has enabled us to have better conversations. And then the last kind of the last area around how we hear people's voices is that I sit down with each of the team. Um, every six months and ask them three critical questions, which is, um, are you, is there anything that we can be doing that were, is stopping you, is, will help you to, to do your best work? Then the second one is knowing all of our strategies, knowing all of our agency vision, what am I missing as the, the leader of the agency? And then the last one is around what, if anything, would you change tomorrow if you could? What one thing would you change? And so those hour-long conversations called Insight Talks because they provide me with so much personal insight. And this is just one-on-one, really, really open. And I think it's important for leaders to be very, very open, you know, to actually listen and to hear people instead of just kind of talking, talking blindly over people right. and sort of, you know, giving, you know, hearsay and, oh, sorry, listening to hearsay and, and not doing anything about it. So as soon as those conversations happen within a week, then I send an email, this is what I've done, this is how we've actioned it, the company meetings every month, then we then feed that back. And it's that type of thing, that loop, to close, making sure that we close that loop, making sure that everybody's voices get heard, is what I don't know, kind of, I guess, makes kind of Mm -hmm. yo-yo-yo-yo. So that's kind of, that's that's one part, Um, leadership, Empathetic leadership, kindness is a huge part of kind of what um, what we believe in. Um, but we also have loads of benefits, loads of kind of flexibility, core hours, like great holiday packages, um, lots of kind of cultural incentives. We're going paddleboarding tonight. We've got company meeting and drinks tomorrow night. We've got um, summer fr- like summer hours on Friday where everyone finishes at 3:30. So, we've got all of those kind of, I guess, like tangible benefits, but really it's that attitude piece throughout the leadership sort of side of the business that's probably more key to anything.
2: Lovely. And yeah, I mean, you touched on some really important parts there. So, you mentioned that one of the most important things you try and do is to make sure that. There is purpose in what people are doing, but also making them stakeholders in the decision-making process. And you do a lot of things uh, structured and, one, and one-on-one. I'm curious to find out from your conversations, your one-to-ones, and I'm, I'm assuming that as you carry on, people get there to say more and, and ask for more. What are the things that you're hearing? What are the things that you know people are asking for when, when you're having your one? When you're asking them, what is it? That they, what change do they want in in, in the organisation? What sorts of things are coming back from that?
1: Well, sometimes sometimes it's like a drainer in the kitchen yeah. help. <laughs> um, which you know is has has validity in itself um to help people to sort of not be annoyed <laughs> when they're you know <laughs> whatever um so sometimes it's small things and other times it's really like much larger fundamental elements of um people's careers Say for instance, someone said to me, um, actually, I really enjoy doing product development. We, We don't do a huge amount of it, but when we do, I really, really enjoy it. And with that information, we're only, we're a team of 25. So we're a small business and we're independent. So we can make calls on the strategy as we go. And with that information, that is an individual need and desire. And that particular person is a very important part of the business. And so actually I can then take that back to our senior management team to say, okay, actually in our portfolio, are there any other opportunities to pursue product development services um, with our existing client base or actually kind of beyond? And as a result of those conversations, then we have expanded that area of the business. And so that individual knows how serious we're taking it and knows that actually, if we can make it work, I always talk about this concept of sort of business need and individual need. And if we can both win, or if the business and the individual can both win, surely yeah. that's the best place to be. Absolutely. And so by opening up those conversations, then we can stop people feeling resentful or frustrated, et cetera, right there and then. Um, and and ultimately, the business is likely to succeed as well because I've hired a bunch of people who are caring, passionate individuals who give a shit about the business as well. And so they're not coming to us and saying, "Do you know what? I'd really like to sell fruit." <laughs> like, you know, they, they they know that these things when they're thinking about them and they're suggesting them, mm-hmm. that they have validity in the business strategy as well as the individual sort of needs. Um, so there are always fantastic conversations like that. And if we can do things, then we will make those changes.
0: Yeah, that's great. And, um, just going back to something you mentioned previously, I'm interested to know a bit more about how, how did you approach training people to do constructive debating and, um, did you use external help or was that something you did yourself?
1: It's. Do you know what? It was was something that I did want to get external help with. Um, And I've got a few contacts in local government and I thought it would be a really good thing to sort of get them involved. But then the pandemic hit and, you know, one thing or another and they had bigger fish to fry, (laughs) arguably. (laughs) So I didn't get them involved and it was an internal training piece. Um, But it's topics that we sort of talk about around around actually kind of adding in... um, adding in voices into the mix that are purposefully there to argue against the idea, mm. regardless of their own beliefs. But by doing that, it starts to create the, I guess, boundaries of the debates and pushes it further. Ultimately, we don't want to have a debate where everybody's agreeing with one another because then we're <sighs> going to not spot the blind, you know, identify the blind spots. And so it's, it's not only about sort of... You know, training people in different techniques, which we've done um, in terms of sort of internal training and things. But it's also really encouraging people if they bring spicy topics to the mix, mm-hmm. if they have kind of spicy opinions that, you know, are different from the sort of different from the norm. It's really encouraging those. And and I reiterate after every single time, you know, nothing is off the table. We want, we want these different opinions. And that's how it's going to make us better as a business. Um, and I love it at the town hall last week. Um, sadly, one of our team members, um, Zed, is uh, is leaving us in a few weeks' time, and he does bring some really, really juicy topics to town hall. And that was one of and that was one of the debates was okay without Zed, how are we going to do this? And so <laughs> team Ellie and uh, Ellie and Julian, then they sort of have promised <laughs> to bring those juicy topics to the forefront and to continue on kind of um, yeah the, uh, the the great debates that we've been having.
2: Amazing. I mean, me and David always had a relationship where uh, we always, whenever somebody comes up with something, the other one has to argue the toss for it. What's the other side yeah. of it? And do it on purpose. And most people would think we're having an argument or like not agreeing on anything, <laughs> but we just do it on purpose. We. Because if it still stands on its own legs after somebody tries to destroy it, you know, and, and find all the weak spots, then it deserves to be done or implemented. But if it's not, then it's easier to kind of analyze something when somebody is arguing the other side for it, as opposed to, like you said, everyone agreeing. Fantastic. So The, yeah, only,
1: the only thing that I would sort of add to that is that that's brilliant and that's exactly what you want. I think it only comes, though, if you build a culture of trust and respect. Mm-hmm. And you have to have that because otherwise people it's, it can be vulnerable to, you know, express yourself, especially if you're going against the grain Mm -hmm. and that can be, you know, sort of, yeah, a vulnerability. And, and actually, if you don't have that culture of trust, then it shuts. People don't want to, people Mm -hmm. don't want to share their difference and different opinions. And so it's, it's kind of, and that's not a one-time expressive kind of, you know, we're a respectful team that's you showing up day, day after day after day and creating that culture of openness, trust and respect.
2: What has, that, what has that done to your retention? How's your retention? And have you heard any feedback from employees that they feel, you know, so strongly about being part of the OYO design team that they don't even consider looking elsewhere? Has, has this sort of culture helped in the retention side of things?
1: Yeah, it, oh, it mass, massively has. And we, we have a great sort of um, a great team, many of which have been with us many, many years. But actually, it's an interesting one because I don't I don't agree necessarily with sort of um, 100% retention because of the fact that actually if someone, th- there's one person in my team right now, for instance, that has come to us, and this is because of our culture of transparency and openness and honesty and trust. He's come to us and said, actually, I've been with YoYo eight years and... I, I might want to do other things. I've got a few other kind of elements that, that I want to kind of pursue. Mm. Um, and I don't want to sort of let anyone down, but how do we do this? And so it's a conversation and it's a conversation that will kind of evolve. And over the next kind of you know three to six months, then there will be a sort of a parting of ways, but in an incredibly positive way. And we've had that, throughout throughout sort of yo-yo kind of yeah several times and so that's why I mean I don't I don't I don't believe in blind retention I think it's sort of it's really important that people follow their own passions and pursue other other elements but what I'm super proud of is the fact that we rarely very very rarely have situations where we don't know what's coming Mm -hmm. someone who comes to us and says right I'm off in a month it just it, it very rarely happens people give us six months notice 12 months notice sometimes um and we work together to positively sort of move move apart which and is that's
0: a... the and, and and that's that you couldn't ask for more you're absolutely I'm right you're not going to get 100 percent retention you, you, you're going to have a natural attrition and a natural turnover of people and if you can keep them with you and happy for as long as possible and productive but sooner or later there, there's a million circumstances which might Mean that they want to go elsewhere, but if you can have that visibility on um, this person is going to be leaving then all of a sudden the stress is off because you're you've got enough time to find a replacement to get to make sure there's less disruption in the business, less disruption with the clients, and then it's not really an issue it's this it's the blind oh Monday morning can I have a word <laughs> your heart drops into your stomach and it's like, yeah okay this is this is coming um, so that's great. And it's rare, I have to say, that we've come across uh, companies that have that kind of a, a, a culture because it's, it's scary, it, you know, to, to, to instill that for people, for, you know, it's even it's scary for the people to be like, well, they say this, but if I come and tell them, are they just going to, like, get rid mm-hmm. of me within a month when I, for me to find someone else? I need to secure my own thing next to make sure that I'm safe.
2: Well, they know it's safe by seeing it happening with other members of staff like we used to. So if they see you treating one person well and the next person well, then the next person will undoubtedly be more open to come and have a conversation and say, you know what, I want to explore, like you said, this area that potentially not in in the agency kind of sphere of of expertise and it's fine. Uh, And and like we said earlier, you know, there is no such thing as 100% retention and you'd want people to grow within your organization to a certain point that potentially they kind of come out of what you want to be doing and it's fine. Many of them can become future clients if they go in-house, and I've come a couple of, across a couple of agencies that have done that extremely well. They've been such a, a great place to grow and nurture talent in great numbers, and many of them went to work in other um, businesses, and they always picked up the phone and went, yeah, guys, can you help me with this or the other? Because they trust the agency, they trust the culture, and they parted ways that, on a positive note, but yeah.
1: But that's the, that's the again, kind of that trust, that, that culture, and it can absolutely ruin a culture very, very quickly if you don't kind of act in, in that sort of, uh, in that way and in that sort of, I guess, respectful way. And like you said, if people are seeing um, myself and the rest of the leadership team treat other people with sort of that I don't know re- respect, mm-hmm. then they will feel more comforted to know that actually they can they can talk to us. It takes kind of you know a long time to build up that culture, and it can just be lost so easily. <laughs> so it's um, yeah, yeah, it's really important that you just show up every day with it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Also, you're um, you're a B Corp. Um, what impact does that have on attracting and retaining your staff?
1: Oh, absolutely huge. I I really, I really believe that. Um, As part of the B Corp um, process, so we've been a B Corp now for three and a half years, um, and as part of that process, then um, customers and community and things are sort of part of it. But your number one stakeholder, especially as an agency, is is your team. And so there is huge amounts of sort of work that goes into looking at, you know, those kind of, those tangible benefits, um, but also the way that you govern... Um, the agency, the, your mission, your values, your sort of, um, uh, I guess, ethical and sustainable decision making, um, and all sorts of different sort of elements, I, I guess. And so, uh, yes, I think that um, when we when we're looking to hire people, then we're we're always sort of top of the list, or um, so so we're told from uh, sort of recruiters and the and the sort of individuals themselves that you know, we're we're always up there. And obviously we don't want to do this very, very often, but sometimes we can't pay the high salaries of London. We can't pay the high salaries potentially of sort of, especially sort of corporates or in-house teams. Um, But a lot of people make the decision that actually it's worth it to take a slight sort of, um, a slight pay cut or a slight sort of, you know, not the top whack in order to do something and be part of something that means more than just lining the profits of the shareholders. and so I think there is a, um, a belief system that people sort of want to be want to be part of, and and they see that they see that sort of every day, every week. And we we talk about B Corp or we talk about the values of B Corp a lot in what we do, and people can get involved as much as or as little as they want. But they also have a a lot of opportunity, (laughs) like tonight, it's not just paddle boarding, it's paddle boarding and litter picking. (laughs) 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 Um, And um, we kind of, uh, I don't know, in uh, most years, then we do this massive long walk, 28 miles uh, around Tunbridge Wells. Um, and raise fun, like great funds for um, uh, sort of different charities we jump out of planes we've got marathons we've got all sorts of different things kind of a whole schedule of different activities that we do as part of yo-yo and if you 're part of yo-yo you get to experience all of that all of that element as well and be part of something you know, part of something greater than sort of the the part of it sums um, so yes, I think to answer your question, yes, I really do believe that it helps very much on the um, on the attraction side, um, but it also helps on the retention side.
2: Fantastic, Jenny. You mentioned something to me uh, when we spoke last time that I was really impressed with, and I know many agencies kind of argue the to toss on this one: is your transparency around revenues, profits, margins? And having uh, run an agency, David and I, for many many years. Um, It's one that is a difficult one because, you know, commercial information could be competitive and slightly kind of delicate to share with everyone. And on the other hand, I can just see the benefits of sharing it with the staff. It makes everyone kind of focused on, you know, what's happening here from a commercial point of view and and the value of of that particular customer and why it's important that we deliver this amount of work to make this amount of margins that translates to giving them the full picture. What's your experience doing that and how long have you been doing it for? How did it come about and what's your experience doing it?
1: Yeah. So we've been doing it for a decade probably. You know, we've we've been doing it for sort of, yeah, a a long time and we do full financial transparency of um, revenue, of profit, of margins, but also kind of, other metrics like revenue per head etc. Um, we also are transparent about the difference between the lowest paid and the highest paid. We have got now salary brackets so mm-hmm. we don't do full salary um, transparency, more to protect the individual actually sometimes. I think that it can open up different kind of complex conversations. Um, but we have salary brackets, which are sort of within a 5k range, mm-hmm. um, and as part of sort of B Corp values, um, is that we don't, as as owners of the business, then we don't take home crazy salaries and pay the lowest pay, like the lowest paid staff, the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a sort of very um, a fairly small difference between the sort of lower and higher paid, and all of that is transparent as well. Um, one of the big differences that we've found um, over the last probably three years is that with my CFO, we actually, we, we debated this of just like, there's me showing all these kind of financial data of which I'm looking at day in, day out. But actually, what does that mean to a designer? What does it mean to a developer um, when this isn't the language in which they operate? And so with my CFO, we created a financial education program whereby um, on a weekly basis over, I don't know, maybe about six, seven weeks, then we did um, sessions around what is profit? What is kind of like, what, why a margin, what, all these sorts of different things um, to really kind of boost the financial literacy of the whole team. And I think that was one of the, the, you know, the killer initiatives that really kind of changed things because people now have a much deeper understanding of these different kind of figures and what they mean. Um, but I am a huge advocate. I think if you're not, so people say, well, if you're, what, what happens if you're struggling? What happens if, you know, typical kind of agencies sort of go, going up and down? Um, you know, well, are you going to panic people? People aren't idiots. You know, they can see if they're busy or not. They can hear the, the, the nuance of conversations. They can feel the sort of, you know, light stress that's going around the agency. So my, I'm a big advocate of just being completely transparent about those because actually I think about that because I think people then seek kind of comfort and solace that actually the leadership team know what the hell they're doing and that they have the sort of, you know, the confidence and the strategies in place to get us out of it if needed. and. I talk about this with very, very recent experience of having a little dip over the last couple of months. And as you both know when I came on this call, we just won an incredible new client, an incredible account, which is just
2: wraps on that again. That that's an amazing win
1: absolutely buzzing and it falls just at the right time for a company meeting tomorrow when over the last couple of months i've said i'm quietly confident but it's it's a strange time in the market and then tomorrow i'm able to say yes this is this is what it means and this is how it affects things and we have things like profit share in the business and that's really important that people see that as well so that they can plan their own finances so yeah, I think the, the sort of the education factor um, is, is really key. So, what does, what does a design, what, how can a designer or a developer affect um, the finances is also key, you know, it's also really kind of um, crucial and valuable to, to an agency, to the running of an agency. So, yeah, that education piece and that comfort piece, I think, is a really, really important part.
2: Very interesting. That's great. But, and,
0: um, you mentioned, well, we've spoken a bit about the the one-to-ones you do with the team and, and and things like that, but do you do you have any formal, and and obviously you just have a feeling, clearly you have a very good feeling because you have this relationship with the team that you will get noted, extended notice as opposed to anything like that, which much must give you a, a bit of a signal, but do you have any other tools for measuring um, employee satisfaction just to give you indicators on things that need to happen?
1: Yeah, we um, we've tried quite a few things over the years, and sort of um, you know from like annual survey type things to technology like um, Office Vibe um, mm-hmm. and things like that, which kind of does um, like weekly pulse um, of the agency and asks various questions and things. But what I find is with with a lot of these things, then actually you sort of need to change them quite frequently because people get tired of them and people don't actually, it was fantastic for the first six months and we got such juicy information and things like that. Um, but it just slows down and people's engagement. Engagement goes down, yeah. Engagement goes down. The only, as I said, the only, the only um, initiative that I found that has worked just better than ever than, than anything. It's just the simple one-to-one talks, <laughs> and that, those insight talks have been going for years and years and years now. And that is how I really feel the kind of you know how 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 the agency sort of feels about everything. Um, but I also I'm not doing it single-handedly. I've got a team of sort of managers, and each of those individuals have been trained in sort of you know in the yo way of doing things. And so they have their own individual ways of capturing people's sort of feelings and sort of voices into the mix, and that then all ladders up into our weekly senior management meeting. So there is weekly team meetings, there is weekly one-to-one meetings with each of the team members. So there is—it's rare that anything happens that we're not fully aware of, and. As I said, we're very sort of open to that. And sometimes, you know, admittedly, the downside of that is that it can be distracting. <laughs> and you can get sort of caught up in conversations that, you know, quite frankly, sometimes you think, actually, you know, I should be focusing kind of at a high level sort of strategic kind of in a strategic way. But actually running the business for so long, I realized that it's unless you quieten down those those voices and you deal with it right there and then, then those small things can then become bigger things. which mm-hmm. take a longer time to extinguish uh, at a later time. And so we're actually, you know, spending an hour or two a week dealing with those small little things that crop up is, is a far better strategy.
2: Yeah, Jenny, everything you mentioned and your style of leaders, well, it's credit to your style of leadership, the fact that people can open up to you, the fact that you invest in so much time and effort, um, in 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 these various activities that mean that your employees are happy uh, working for your your design i guess my next question is in terms of scaling and as you get larger and i'm assuming here not everyone wants to get very large maybe you're in, in the right size for you and for your aspirations as an agency but if you were to get larger if this is part of your plans for the future to keep growing bigger how much would you have to adjust is this something that you can take to say a team of 50 or 100 or you know what would be the impact of that do you think this is doable your style of management and the way you're doing it now to keep people happy can you achieve that maybe for a larger team uh maybe 100 people or 200
1: i think i think so because um Actually, well, I'll answer that in two parts. Because the first part is that we don't actually have any intentions to grow much beyond sort of forty to fifty people, mm-hmm.
2: and that's double to what you are, where you are now.
1: Exactly, and mm-hmm. that's very sort of that's very purposeful of sort of what we want to create and what we want to build.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but in terms of sort of growing, you know, at any sort of side, then. When we were 10 people, I was able to have the conversations with every single person in the team in a very, very different way to what we are now. Mm -hmm. But what we've done to sort of, as we've been growing is um, both kind of in terms of attitude and governance. So the governance side, is about creating training programs. It's about creating playbooks. It's about kind of creating policies and things that we're baking in those values at every single sort of part in every single part of the business. So that's a sort of governance factor which would just continue on, and it, you know, it it works very well um, in terms of sort of just giving people sort of you know that guidance and things like that of sort of how how we want to be. And the other side is attitude. So the attitude sort of element, then of course, you know, if, we, if we're 50 people, it's very difficult for me to do all of the things that I sort of spoke about um, in this podcast. But what I've done to date is Hire people and train people in those different roles mm-hmm. that I know that they are sort of um, you know they won't do the same style as me, and that's a good thing you know we 're all very different but the
2: spirit will still yeah, be the there. spirit
1: will still be there, and the ethos mm-hmm. will still be there, mm-hmm. and some of these kind of tech techniques which we know work will still be there
0: mm-hmm. and
1: things like um I mean even now I do the insight talks, but town hall for instance is is run by by a different member of the team, and so that's that's also really important, that it's not just me kind of, you know, creating this sort of this this yo-yo world. It's very much kind of like everybody, um, yeah, a handful of people are sort of across the team. And then we've got people like mental health first aiders and and other people, kind of team leaders and things like that, other people across the team that makes yo-yo yo-yo. Mm-hmm. And that's not about myself. That is very much kind of, you know, making sure that those... That, that people have got the support that they need across the whole agency even if i'm not available for whatever reason
2: amazing what are the uh, what? Are, what is the thing that you've done that has worked so well that you'd want to do again in, well you wish you would have done earlier so if there was one thing out of so everything you've done that you wish you'd done a little bit earlier what would it be
1: Um, So I guess sort of, you know, we all know how important learning and development is um, for the team. But if I'm being completely honest, I don't think we nailed it very uh, well in the first kind of six or seven years, because it was more of a case of uh, on an ad hoc kind of basis, right, there's a course, does anyone fancy it? Or we would say to the individual, look at things and if there's anything that you fancy, the budget is there for you. But actually, that's quite a passive way of dealing with learning and development and and actually kind of growing the team and developing the team. Um, don't get me wrong, people did do quite a lot of courses and it wasn't sort of an absolute shit show. But it wasn't, it definitely wasn't sort of as proactive as we are now. And... I do regret that actually and I and I wish that we did lots more but we're doing it now and that is an approach whereby we have lots of different elements to learning and development whether it's mentorship so we've got loads of different people in our network that can help mentor our team and most people are happy to have conversations and to have the sort of you know the odd coffee here and there etc but it means so much to kind of the younger people coming up through the ranks and and so I get involved in sort of in setting up a lot of those men- and those mentoring sort of relationships with the team. Um, we've got a whole handful of sort of courses that we do. Um, Agency Hackers is a great kind of community group, and they do loads of sort of different talks and things. Um, But then also kind of thinking outside the box a little bit and sort of looking at financial well-being, life skills and and actually not only the technical skills involved in the job, but actually if the individual wants to do something different as well. Ultimately, if we gave... I don't know some guitar lessons. <laughs> if it I'm keeps, also,
2: I, didn't, I didn't catch that. Some, words, some what? Some guitar
1: lessons. Guitar oh, lessons. You wow. just, just something that helps them to learn and to grow and to develop as a Why person. Not? Then happy days. You mm-hmm. know, again, it's kind of you know people are quite happy to whack down two hundred quid on a Friday night um, <sighs> to buy drinks. You know what? let's think about new ways to learn and develop and grow people and also we've got a we've got a trained counsellor on the books um and that really helps to kind of add into that learning and development and growth piece as well so i guess yeah long-winded way but it's kind of learning and development is definitely an area where i um regretted not being more proactive but now we've got sort of very kind of clear plans and monthly updates and, you know, all sorts of different things. So I'm a much happier place around that.
0: <laughs> that's, that's good. And um, I guess just to finish up, are there any other initiatives you're planning on launching in the near future?
1: Um, one of the things that actually will be launched, which I'm incredibly excited about, um, will be launched in six days time, I think it is, um, is that we are doing a business community group called Amplify and it's around the local area and it's encouraging um, businesses to come together around sustainability, around net zero, around climate, around community, and share ideas, share education, but pool resources and create a much larger impact doing it together as opposed to single organisations. Um, it's an initiative which um, we've got the local government, we've got local press, we've got sort of all the major players across the, the local area are involved in and it should be just a fantastic fantastic new initiative. But why I'm saying it here is the fact that by us championing these things it's myself and two other individuals across different businesses that are doing it. By championing it everyone in the team, pretty much, has been involved in that in certain ways, Mm -hmm. whether it's looking at sort of the website, the comms plan around it, but also looking at the events and actually the things that we can do within the local community. So we did an incredible drive for um, uh, um, looking at Christmas presents at Christmas with a big local law firm, and we all got involved in that. As I said, we're doing sort of loads of fundraising elements, and it's those types of things that I think... You know, we do incredible work, we do brilliant work in our day jobs, but it's these types of initiatives that really kind of rally the troops and get us all sort of focused around something that's, that's meaningful and it has sort of a greater impact. Um, so very, very much looking forward to that.
0: Oh, that's great, and that's good, good timing great. to uh, to, <laughs> share, to share that. Uh, Jenny, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's been really interesting to learn more about about you and what you've been doing at YoYo, Yo. and I'm, I'm sure that our audience are going to be really interested here as well. Fantastic!
1: Lovely to to Thank you. <laughs>